Hello, everyone, and welcome to our News You Can Use podcast. My name is Tina Stock, and with me is Darren Terrazzo. And this week, we have a couple of special guests. We have two of our media consultants who have sold more ad programs to marketing-generated leads, those MGLs, than any other non-telephone rep in the last 12 months. These are feet-on-the-street reps, so kind of a different perspective on how they go out, talk to these leads, and how they turn them into new customers. We're also going to share some industry news and insights regarding videos. We're going to talk about Google's new real-time ads that are going to premiere during the Super Bowl this year. And Darren, speaking of the Super Bowl, did you know that the month of February, not only do we have the Super Bowl, the Oscars, the Grammys, Valentine's Day, Groundhog Day, and Lincoln's birthday, but we also have some little gems such as National Carrot Cake Day, that's on February 3rd, National Random Acts of Kindness Day, it's on February 17th, and National Margarita Day. So in my opinion, February is going to be a heck of a fun month. Out of all the events that are happening in February, which one are, or which ones, I'll let you choose more than one, are you most looking forward to? Of course, as a man, I am looking very much forward to the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, I'm kind of rooting for the Broncos. And of course, since I live in Texas and spent a lot of time on the Texas-Mexico border, I'm also very excited about National Margarita Day. And I'd also like to point out a cool, quick little fact that Valentine's Day actually is also the peak for activity for divorce lawyers, believe it or not. All no these Absolutely. You ask any divorce attorney out there and they'll tell you that Valentine's Day is the peak of where most of their action happens in the first quarter. Cool is that we have holidays that kind of feed off of one another. So people, they go through Valentine's Day, they get upset, they, they visit their divorce attorney, and then after it's all done, they go celebrate with a margarita. So it makes sense. <laughs> what, what a very, very strange way to connect these two holidays. <laughs> through, the, through the common thread of divorce, heartbreak, and horrible things in life. <laughs> so I'll take the other slant, which is, oh, the fun of the Grammys and the Oscars. I don't know if it's Southern California, but it's a big deal, especially in the L.A. area during that month, because there's so much going on, so many celebrities and parties. And in my opinion, February is going to be tons of fun, although I'm now also a little bit depressed because I realize it is that big divorce that big divorce moment. <laughs> okay, now on that happy note, kind of tying into the whole Super Bowl thing, Google in this last week announced that they are launching real-time ads. And the article that's posted on our news blog, it's from Marketing Land, and I actually posted a few articles about this launch. But the one specifically I'll, I'll use as a reference is from Marketing Land, and it's called Google Announces Real-Time Ads so marketers can jump on the next left shark moment. That's the name of the article. And basically, Google is giving marketers the ability to add a text or image overlay to a pre-created ad and then run the ad across YouTube, hundreds of thousands of apps, and over 2 million sites in our Google Display Network and get out there a message that ties directly to the big moment that consumers just experienced. So in the press release, 
Google keeps talking about last year's left shark moment that happened in the Super Bowl. And I unfortunately missed the actual thing that occurred, but of course it's all over the internet and had a chance to look at it. And during the halftime show, Katy Perry was singing a song. There were these two sharks, these two guys in shark costumes behind her that were working as like her dancers. The shark on the right knew his choreography, but the shark on the left kind of be bopping around. And so it took off on Twitter and everybody was talking about the left shark and it just got a lot of noise. And so Google keeps referencing that as marketers will have the opportunity to take advantage of whatever happens to be the unexpected live spur of the moment event that happens during the Super Bowl. But I remember the ad that actually made this whole concept of real-time marketing something that everybody was talking about. And it happened back in 2013 during the Super Bowl blackout. Do you remember when they had the blackout during the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a big deal. Well, during the blackout, Oreo tweeted out an image of an Oreo cookie in this dark black and white image. And it said, you can still dunk in the dark. And the message that they tweeted out was, power out, no problem. Well, that ad went viral. They said that the ad got five times more views than the actual Super Bowl did. But as I was reading through some of the case studies, the way that they actually made it happen was the Oreo executives and their ad agency had been for like eight months before this Twitter moment, before this moment happened in the Super Bowl, they'd been already engaging in some real-time marketing on social media. They, I can't remember what the name of the campaign was, like Twist and Oreo or something, but they were out in social media sharing content, reacting to tweets that were going out, trying to do this real-time marketing in a real effective way. And their team was assembled during the Super Bowl to keep doing this real-time marketing activity. And when the blackout happened, the creative agency was sitting in the room with the marketing executives, came up with the idea, got approval, and went out with it within literally minutes. So I totally get why Google is doing it. It's Google trying to step into more of a social space and trying to do some of the things that we've seen Twitter doing over the last couple of years very effectively. I expect we're going to see a lot of this happening going forward, whether you're a smaller business or a large national brand. How do you personalize your content to an event as opposed to personalizing your content to a segment of your audience? Yeah, and you know, if you really think about it, their strategy in advance of doing that marketing was to be ready to pounce on an opportunity that they saw and be creative and think out of the box. And that's definitely something that we should be coaching our small businesses on is to look for opportunity, think outside the box, and be ready to pounce on the opportunity. Because had Oreo waited 24 to 48 hours to to send out that Twitter message and, and didn't have that kind of timing, it wouldn't have had the same effect. Absolutely. I love the fact that you're tying this into how small businesses can use it. And it is pouncing on the opportunity. For us, a lot of it is we're getting phone calls to those small businesses. And here it is, an opportunity to market to an individual that has called your business and they're not always taking advantage of it, managing those phone calls well. It is all the way through the chain of advertising and marketing. How do you take advantage of those special moments that you get? 
And I think this kind of ties well into one of the articles that you were going to share today, talking about video ads and micro moments. So I'll, I'll let you talk about that article for a few minutes here. Awesome. So, I mean, it really does actually tie in exactly to what you've already been talking about. And mainly what I want to talk about today is how small and medium-sized businesses should take a quick look at what their video strategies are. Because Google already is doing studies uh, based on their 2015 data as to how people are using video. And they've actually broken video down into video micro moments. Just like Google talks about their general micro moments, they are now looking at video usage only and, and broken them down into these four moments. The I want to watch what I'm into moments, I want to know moments, I want to do moments, and I want to buy moments. And the uh, first one, the I want to watch what I'm into moments, 53% of online video viewers will watch online video so they can be inspired or entertained. They won't be setting a bunch of time aside to do this. They'll just do it on the fly in little bites and chunks throughout the day. And then as far as I want to know moments, 70% of millennials think that they can find a YouTube video on anything that they want to learn. And these are opportunities that our small businesses can use to educate their customers because the businesses that educate their customers will also win their business when the time is right. And then the I want to do moment, searches related to how-to articles are up 70% year over year on YouTube. And then uh, this one I think is a really important one. It's the I want to buy moment. The 18 to 34-year-old say that YouTube is the best place to learn about a product or a service that they're interested in, and this is the step that they take before they make the decision to buy and who they buy from. When it comes to videos, this is what I recommend for my SMBs. Number one, they need a main video, and then the second thing they need is content videos, and I'll explain the difference. The main video is what we do. This is where a company introduces themselves and their company to the potential buyers that may find them online. And it's a conversion tool because it's no secret Google did research back in 2006 and even as early as 2005, and they knew that video viewership affected the conversions uh, for the businesses that were in the video spotlight. So in other words, businesses with videos will convert more of their new clientele that views them into buying from them as opposed to companies that just don't have a video. And I'll tell you why. That's really important. Businesses where clients need to meet and maybe even possibly emotionally connect with who they're going to be buying from need to have a video. Like for instance, daycare centers and childcare centers, dentists marriage counselors, churches. These are places that you're going to go, you're going to bring your children, you're going to interact really up close with the people in this business. You're not just walking in and buying something off the shelf. These are businesses where you are going to be spending a lot of time in this business or your child is going to be spending a lot of time. The video allows a business to introduce themselves to whoever could possibly want to buy from them and make that connection. It makes people more comfortable to say, you know, 
um, this daycare center, I watched the video, and everybody looks really happy. And the, the people that are working there, they look really nice. And I, I kind of connected with the owner, so I think I'll bring my child there. So the main video is a good conversion tool for these kinds of businesses. So they really need to invest in a video with YP to do that. And then the second thing that businesses should do is have content videos. And the content videos basically answer really common questions that people have. Like, for instance, if I was a plumber, I would have a quick content video and, and use all my main keywords in the video, and I would show people how to turn off the water main if there was a big water leak in your house. That would be perfect because a lot of people looking for a plumber have a major leak and they're panicking and freaking out. So having a quick video on how to use just an everyday tool that you have laying around the house to go in there and turn that, that water main off and stop the leak until the plumber gets there, that would be huge. And it would also drive a lot of business for that plumber. So in a you know, short summary, businesses should have Definitely a mobile video strategy employed this year and let YP guide them on what they need to do for their main videos and their content videos. I, I am super into what's happening in video advertising, video content, video just as a platform. And I know that Google is starting to test direct response videos, like the ability to actually transact within that video. In fact, I saw an example of one that they're doing with Ulta right now. Ulta is a big makeup brand, and Ulta creates these how-to videos, how to use mascara, how to use eyeliner, whatever. And then on the ad is an overlay of products that Ulta is promoting that the person can actually choose to click and go to the Ulta e-commerce site and purchase the product right then. So it's that concept of getting away from interruption into integration instead of the ad running before the content or during the content the ad is actually part of the content i'm watching this video on how to do something and right next to it is the ability to click and go by so i i am super proud that yp has a good video offer out there for small businesses hitting that real important thing of your brand story and creating that overall sense of connection with the business so I think that pretty much rounds off what we wanted to cover during the industry section today, those two articles. For yep. our product segment, I wanted to just highlight four things before we move into our sales strategy segment with our guests to kind of keep on that video theme. I don't know if everybody realized that videos can actually be embedded on our YP search landing pages. Back to that point of videos are great for conversion. If the customer has their own video that they've published on YouTube or video that they have on their website and they just want us to embed that video on the YP search, it's free, no cost, just part of that content that we're able to provide. Um, if the customer has purchased the YP video profile, whether it's the 360 or the interview style, that can also be embedded. And if the customer has a video that they've created at some point, whether it's you know a 30-second commercial that they use for TV or something else, and they've not actually published it anywhere, they just have the video file and they want YP to host it and then put it on their landing page, 
we can do that. In that situation, there is a cost associated with it. They would have to submit it as a self-submit because we're doing the hosting, we're doing all of the formatting and all the all of the uh, technical work behind it. But that's also available. So I thought that was just kind of good information. Um, the second thing that we got this week from Google that CTNs on ads do not affect SEO. So this question I've heard for the last six months that I've been in this role are the CTNs that we're publishing on ads affecting the advertiser's SEO? And the answer from Google is 100% no. Google separates what's happening organically from what's happening advertising-wise, and anything associated with advertising is not affecting uh, businesses' organic results. So it's not affecting their SEO. Teresa Thomas, one of the RISMs in the Midwest, got this information directly from Google. So I'm very comfortable that this is accurate. The third thing that I wanted to highlight was that we did add a new audience segment to our mobile display. It's demographic Caucasian. It hasn't been updated yet on the collateral, but it is something that you can now select and have uh, mobile display ads targeted to this specific demographic segment. And then the last product update that I wanted to highlight was our partnership with Yelp. I got a question last week. Some of the customers were looking at the reporting metrics and it showed that we were getting these branded profile views off of Yelp. And the answer is that is part of our local ad network. Those are the listings that we're sending across to Yelp as part of the YP local ads. They're showing up in the Yelp organic section. And right now they're being reported back to us as branded profiles as part of our partnership with Yelp. So in case any of your customers see that and they're wondering what that means, that's what it's related to. It is part of our local ad network that we send over to Yelp. So there we have it, a couple of industry updates and four product updates. And then for this week's podcast, we have a couple of special guests that are joining us. Ryan Dallas and Al Kang, the reason that we're having you on today's podcast is both of you are what I'd consider number one and number two. I'm not going to say who's number one, who's number two, but top in our company for being able to convert marketing-generated leads into advertisers. And I'm not talking money-wise, like, hey, I got one golden ticket and turned them into a big sale, but it seems like it's a consistent volume of marketing-generated leads that you've been able to turn into customers. And so when Darren and I were sitting back and talking about what are we going to talk about this week, one of the things I constantly hear from the field is how do we get more new customers? And you guys obviously have both managed to figure out how to make that happen. So I wanted to spend a few minutes on our podcast today, ask you some questions, give you a chance to share some tips on how you make this happen. But before we get started into the actual core of the conversation, introduce yourself, give us a chance to recognize whose voice is whose. Hey guys, yeah, um, so I'm in the Maitland office. I've been here about a year and a half. Before YP, I worked for a smaller company doing a comparable um, um, advertising strategies for small businesses, and mostly uh, search engine marketing. I'm originally actually from the Seattle, Washington area. I went to school up there and then moved down here after college and uh, got into marketing a little bit after that. Cool. And I just got to say, Seattle, that's also my hometown. So yeah, oh, really? Seattle, wow. presenting on the call. Yeah, right. Okay. And Al, introduce yourself. My name is Al Kang. I'm a, a new media sales rep here out of the Maitland, Florida office, just like Ryan. I've been here for roughly the same amount of time, about a year and a half now. 
before this, I was working in educational software sales, and then, you know, I've just had sort of a track record of, of sales, I guess, sales positions. So, yeah, excited to be here and just for the start of a new year with, with the company and all that, so. Beautiful. So both of you relatively new to our specific company, but you have industry experience, industry experience in sales. It sounds like uh, helping advertisers, helping small businesses with their advertising as well. So let me just ask you a few questions to take you through the the process that you guys go into. And I'll just start at the very beginning. So leads, where you're getting these leads, how you go about going through your leads, like how do you approach these businesses at that stage of the sell? And we'll start with you, Al. If you're talking about just leads in general, um, obviously the MGL leads, the, they come to us uh, through Salesforce and we follow up with them. But if we're just talking about how do we find leads, period, one thing that's really been successful for me is just really going after advertisers that are uh, advertising in local magazines and like periodicals whether it be Clipper or just other advertising print venues, the direct mail pieces that come into your house, make sure to save those and call through those. I found that a lot of times the advertisers that spend money on those platforms, a lot of times they have limited or not really any search engine marketing or internet presence. So it's just a really great way to just reach out to them and say, I noticed an advertisement that came through my mailbox. I did a search online and I see that you don't really have great exposure when someone's looking for your service online. And it usually opens up a conversation. I've been very successful with that as well. So You use the marketing generated leads and then you also go find your own leads by looking at different publishers. And is that similar for you, Ryan? Yeah, uh, I mean, for the market generally leads, you know, you just got to follow up on them soon, fast them, know that you're signed to them. You just want to go over their information, offer to do like a market analysis, maybe name call a competitor. What I also like to do is go on the search engines and I'll look at like the third, fourth, fifth, even 10th pages of their search engines for, for Google ads. Call them up and say, hey, look, I'm a, we're, we're actually a partner of Google. Because their campaign isn't working that well, you know, how about I show you what we offer? So both of you go outside of the marketing-generated leads to find opportunities, but then you're also going through those marketing-generated leads. So you'd mentioned within those marketing, the MGL, so I'm going to use the short term because marketing-generated leads is way too many syllables for me. Um, but the MGLs, do you check that list every day? Do you check it on a weekly basis? Like, how do you approach the, that specific subset of leads? So, those, I mean, those come in your, in your email box. I mean, I get it to my phone. So as soon as I get to my phone, if I'm at a comfortable place where I can sit down and do some research, you know, then I'll follow up on it right away. Because if you let it slide a couple of days, they'll forget that I even did that. Because oftentimes when they're making these these listings, like on WAPI.com, they're making it on our competitors' sites too. And someone else catches them first, you know, they might forget all about you. So actually what I liked about it was the the fact that you just immediately, if, if at all possible, you just give it a call. You don't overthink it a whole lot. So do you have like a standard script or a way that you approach these people when you give them a call? Yeah, yeah. I got a pretty pretty standard script that I've sculpted over about a year and a half. Essentially, I call, introduce myself, say, hey, you know, I'm with YP. I'm assigned to you guys. You guys made a listing with us. You now it's assigned to me to review and complete. Now a good moment to go over your information, and then I'll get you past the decision maker almost every single time. And say, you know, ask them, oh, how is your business doing right now? And then let them talk about themselves. Ask them, is there seasonal? Ask them what type of customers they're getting. Dig into it a little bit like that. Try and trigger an emotional response out of them. And say, locally we get X amount of searches. 
I work with a lot of your competitors. How about I sit down with you for a couple of minutes next week when I'm in the area and we can I can just show you what I've done for other people that's worked really well and you know, that's helped local businesses like yours grow. I love the fact that you bring in the competitors. That seems to always yeah, work in that's, every situation. Uh, that's, yeah. Very, uh, and asking how the business is doing and then saying, hey, how about I show you what your competitors are doing? It's worked really well. I think it can work for you as long as you have, if you're willing to invest in your company's growth. Yeah, yeah. And how about you, Al? I mean, I would say that every MGL lead that comes through is a little bit different. So obviously there can be product inquiries, there can be scans for presence, or there could just be a listing creation or a mix of all three. And depending on the type of business as well as what kind of listing or product inquiry they made, um, I'll follow up. The only thing that I do, um, and obviously every rep is going to have slightly different ways that they go about it, but the only thing that I do consistently is just introduce myself and let them know that I'm local. I'd say, hey, uh, I work out of Maitland, Florida. I'm not too far away from you guys. Uh, I saw that you made a listing and it's been a sign for me to follow up with. I saw that you had a product inquiry. You're interested in, in maybe search engine marketing or a listing management. And then it just opens up a conversation where I could talk to them a little bit more about their business and where they're at. The question that I almost always try to get over the phone is what they're currently doing for marketing. Sometimes they'll tell me that they're doing this, they did this, and this didn't work, that, that worked great. Sometimes they'll tell me they're not spending any money at all. And what that does is it really helps me prep for whatever kind of pitch on the appointment that I'm going on. You know, obviously, if it's a brand new advertiser, you're not going to go there with your, your largest. It's going to be something more entry level. But other than that, I, I try to follow up with them each individually. So it's always a little bit different, the conversation. So. Part of why I thought having you two on the phone would make a lot of sense today is because you are part of our feet on the street sales organization. So we have a lot of telephone reps who also follow up on these leads and have great numbers. But I think the conversation that we have when we have the ability to actually go visit the business is very different than the conversation that we have if it's just always going to be over a, a phone call. Or do both of you find the fact that you're in the market, you know what's happening in that area to be a big advantage over when we're maybe dealing with competitors that do have to deal only over the phone? I would think so. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I you can sit down with them. As you know, it's a lot, they can see you. It's a lot easier to translate things in person than over the phone. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing comes out to, and I say that a lot on the phone to get appointments. Look, I, but I sit down with you. I, it gets, things get lost. You know, you can't sell a car over the phone very well. It's kind of like that. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. And then both of you brought up the fact that you do some fact finding. You ask some questions during that initial phone call, and. Al, I think you were the one who mentioned, tell me what kind of marketing you're doing for your business right now. Is mm -hmm. that the same core question, Ryan, that you asked, or is there one go-to yeah. question that you're always going to do up front? I really feel how the conversation is going and let that determine kind of like the direction I go about it. But if you always want to know how their business is doing, what they've done in the past, what type of customers they're doing, you know, are they doing commercial and residential, if that applies to their business, I try and figure out what their average customer is. I ask how many employees they have. That'll tell you right then and there how much, a lot of money, how much money they have, how many trucks they have, how far are they willing to travel for work. And then like Al said, what they've done in the past. So you're kind of asking the questions to figure out it's a good recommendation, but then also to figure out what if, if they're a good fit, like how much potential budget do they have to spend? Yeah. And then sometimes I'll set up, depending on the distance they are from me, either a phone call, I might set up another phone call to determine whether or not it's worth me traveling an hour if, not, if they are that far away or more, you know, because, um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that aren't willing to spend any money on their growth and it's not worth yeah. the time traveling if they're not willing to spend and invest. 
Yeah, I would say that one of the key differentiators between us and because a lot of these business owners, they get phone calls nonstop um, from other reps, from other companies, a lot of times just reading off scripts and stuff like that. So the one key differentiator for, for me at least is the fact that we can be consultative in even the first phone call. So, you know, I really try to make it more of a conversation and just try to find areas that may be lacking in their current marketing campaigns and, you know, just try to fill in the, the gaps like that. A lot of the telephone reps that are calling, they'll just say the same thing over and over again. Let me get you on Google, top of the page, et cetera, et cetera. So when someone calls and they say, hey, what are you currently doing for marketing fees, um, I guess thought-provoking questions, it, it sort of changes the nature of the conversation. That's going to you know, help us at least to get the appointment, uh, I think, the first time. So let me ask you both to give me an example of one of the most difficult experiences that you had, whether it was difficult because the person was just obstinate and didn't want to talk to you, or <laughs> difficult because it was complex and you know whatever. But So think about your most difficult one. And Ryan, we'll start with you this time. I'll, uh, I'll tell you about one of my most challenging sales. It took about six months of chopping in about once a week as a kitchen cabinet remodel guy, pulling different people to come with me some of the time in order to get them to buy. I'll say by you know, putting in, you know, what is that, you know, 20, 20 drop-ins worth of effort or more <laughs> oh, wow. in order to get a $800 a month dollar sale or $1,000 a month, 1000 a month. Yeah. If that answers your question, that's probably the most challenging it was yeah. on the way home for me, so and it was convenient. It's not like I was driving out of the way. It was on the way. So yeah, you were just so. doggone persistent. What, what was his reason? Like, Why persistent. did he not want to want to work with – he just didn't want to work with you. He'd he been, didn't want to advertise. He'd worked with marketing companies before that hadn't done a good job for his business. Interesting. And so they are very okay. skeptical, very skeptical. They didn't think it was going to work. They'd been burned in the past. They thought they were going to get burnt again. Uh, so yeah. persistence paid off in that situation. Tenacious, and, yeah, tenaciousness, yeah. <laughs> 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 Nothing. Uh, okay. Right. And then, Al, for you, what was probably your most challenging situation and how did you overcome it? Um, it was an air conditioning contractor that we ended up signing. And I guess the most challenging part of it was just the hoops that we had to jump through to get to the key decision makers. So the, the story, like the way that it, it sort of played out was I found uh, an ad in a Clipper magazine, so like a magazine that came to my house, and I saw that they were advertising, so I gave them a phone call, uh, went through my usual usual pitch, and I got to uh, who I thought was originally the decision maker, and I set an appointment with him, and I, obviously I knew, uh, he told me over the phone, I asked those questions, what are you doing for marketing right now? And uh, I already knew that it was a very high potential customer just from what he told me, how much money they were spending, where they were at, uh, the locations that they serviced, et cetera. So my manager and I drove about an hour and a half to meet this AC contractor where they were. When we had the first meeting, it turns out that he loved it. You know, he, he liked everything that we showed him but he had to talk to another marketing manager who was supposed to be in charge of everything. And the marketing manager was based out of Atlanta, Georgia. So what we ended up having to do was to go on a second appointment a couple weeks later back to Lakeland, which is about an hour and a half from Orlando. And uh, we had a second meeting with him and then with the marketing manager conference in on a phone call. And the marketing manager really liked it. And but she said that she had to take it to the owner of the business. Another hoop that we had to jump through, and it was sort of waiting in limbo for about another two to three weeks, and had to keep in contact with everyone to make sure that nobody forgot about us during that whole meantime. 
and eventually we got the sale, and it's one of my larger accounts. They're spending about $7,000 a month with us through YP.com and direct mail and stuff like that. But I would say that's probably the most meetings, and uh, we had to work through one manager here, one somebody over the phone. I've still never even talked to the business owner. So it's, uh, it's I guess that was my most involved and difficult sale. A couple things you brought up that I thought were interesting was the decision maker was not the business owner. And I, I think sometimes the, there's kind of that paradigm shift of the business owner, the, the way that you approach a business owner and get their business is probably very different than the way you approach a marketer or person who makes the marketing decisions and get their mm-hmm. buy-in. Did, it, did you experience that? If I had to guess, I would think that the business owner doesn't really know much about marketing. So he hired a marketing manager who uh, very much could speak the language. But yeah. And I think what you described right there has been what I've noticed as well. When we're talking to business owners, it's better to keep the conversation just kind of a little bit more simplistic and focused on what their business objectives are and put ourselves as we're your marketing person. But when you're yeah. talking to the marketer, it's a very different positioning because you are you need to use the lingo and you you can't make it very simplistic. You have to actually show that you're as smart as they are and use the terminology yeah. Yeah, I would say that there's been plenty of appointments where I've ran, where I talked to a landscape guy, and we got into cost per click and long tail keywords and stuff like that. And those sales never worked out just because they get information overload and then they need time to think about it. And yeah, it's much easier if you just let them know that, hey, you're going to get exposure online. So th- those were your challenging ones. And they both seem to be challenging different ways, but they both took just a huge amount of persistence. Um, yeah. Let me ask you, when you're thinking about the marketing generated leads specifically, and I, and I do understand in most instances, those marketing generated leads is because somebody in the business went to yp.com, claimed their listing, submitted content. And then there are instances where they're actually coming to the website and they're saying, I want somebody to contact me, to make two totally different types of leads. One being, call me, I want to advertise. The other one being, hey, I'm just trying to get something for free. Thinking about those specific marketing generated leads, what's been the most successful sale that you had, like the biggest opportunity or the biggest sale that came out of those? And Al, we'll start with you on this one. The biggest sale that I've made off of MGL was quite large. It was for $15,000 a month or for $180,000 total contract value. And it was a, we put them on YP Search Pro. That's Sorry, huge. Was, was, so did yeah. did they come as like trying to claim a listing or did they come as a result of filling out a form and asking to be contacted? Do you remember? I think if my memory serves me right, he wanted to be contacted. It was a product inquiry. And I think it was for display advertising. Yeah, after my first meeting with him, we sort of gave him the rundown on both, and you know he he felt like display and search was probably better, and we just we were able to grow that opportunity um, before we closed it. So, did he already have advertising, or already have advertising relationships, or was this a case of he was trying to figure out who can help me with marketing and came to us? This actual customer is pretty experienced with advertising and advertising in the online space. So he was already spending um, roughly altogether $30,000 a month, $40,000 a month elsewhere. And uh, we were able to take some of that revenue from competitors. Um, I think the key differentiator for us was that he was working with these advertisers um, over the phone. And we were a local presence here in the market. 
and we were able to do all the same things at the same competitive pricing and all that kind of stuff. Um, he, you know, he can come into the office if he has issues, which he has multiple times. So I think that was a big sale. It was us as the salespeople, you know, because he was already very experienced in search engine marketing, and he knew that there's thousands of companies that he could go to for that to sort of handle his advertising, but he chose us because we were local. Do you recall, did you, like, call him the very same day that that lead came in to you, or how did that process Oh, yeah. So that's actually a yeah. funny story. Um, he... I called him uh, probably, you know, an hour after I got the lead, which is what we try to do, you know, call within the hour. And as soon as I called him, the first thing he said was, you know, I'm not interested. And uh, I had to stop him for a second. Um, and I said, but wait. And I said you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, for some reason, I felt like trying a little bit harder. So, you know, I asked, hey, Jack, which is his name, uh, you know, I, I got this product inquiry, which is you asking for information. Uh, can you just give me some more info about your business? And then he did say, okay, well, I did have some questions about banner advertisements and getting more traffic to my website. Uh, is there ways that you guys can do that? And then I sort of gave him the, the whole thing about the display programs and the search programs that we have, and uh, I was able to get that appointment. This is funny because if I had stopped when he said, uh, I'm not interested and I just let it go, then I would have never made that sale. So it was just something I think about every now and then. I think it's interesting how your uh, inroad into the conversation was answering his questions. I, I, that's mm. ultimately kind of, I think, when those product inquiry forms are filled out, that's kind of what the person's saying is, I have questions, I don't mm. understand something. And it goes back to how important it is that we really understand what our products can do and understand mm. kind of the overall industry space and kind of how the business can look at, at uh, the different media types for, for growth. So, Ryan, what was probably your biggest sale that you got out of those MGLs? All right. Um, I got one a little over a year ago. Um, I think the total contract value or investment was um, $65,000, It was a landscaper tree company. The gatekeeper actually made a listing. I called him up, um, set up a meeting with her. I thought she was a decision maker. She wasn't developed a relationship with her, found out the owner of the company was in another city and that he was doing billboard advertising. You know, I, I, I talked about how, you know, when you're driving past the billboard, do you think people are really going to write down the phone number while they're driving? Probably not. So I talked a little bit about directional marketing, marketing uh, specifically search engine marketing. You know, that struck her ear, that struck the owner's ear because she crashed that onto him and set up the appointment for me. And I think it took about four appointments and we were able to, um, to close him. Um, on yp.com, and there were several several headings and a pretty hefty search budget. My goodness. So that came literally from somebody just filling out their listing on yp.com. Was the person surprised that we offered these other solutions? They thought we were just going to say, hey, advertise on yp.com, or, you know, yeah, have they looked the book. at things and kind of, ah, yeah. Only, yeah. you know, yeah, we still get that every, every almost, at least every once a week, we get that we're just a book. Or they think we're just a book. Wow! And how do you yeah. normally address that? Do you just and then say, say, you know, yeah, we've grown a lot over the years. We're a digital media powerhouse. We have full suite of these online products that are incredible. And just talk a little bit about the power of YP. You know, we got 20 million businesses registered on our online directory. We have our own search engine. Blah 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 blah. My last question to you guys: What pieces of advice would you give to your peers out in the in the rest of the country? One, you got to thoroughly research 
the um, the prospect because otherwise they, they'll see that you don't know what you're talking about. You got to get them a little excited. Talk about you work with some of their competitors that always perks their ear. And uh, just kind of be relentless with them. You know, you got to keep follow up, follow up, follow up until they tell you not to follow up anymore. I'd have to say that that persistency, that's come across multiple times during this conversation. And I love it because it is exhausting sometimes to have to be persistent, but it pays off more often than it doesn't. Al, what advice would you share with your peers? I would say, especially for the MGL leads, the number one thing for me that I've seen that works really well in converting those to at least appointments is just knowing the market and knowing the product as well. Before I call them, I always want to know the search numbers on CP3. So if it's a listing creation for a tree service, I already know off the top of my head because I've done it so long that you know in Orlando we get about 800 searchers on just our website for tree service every single month. So if I'm calling a tree service person that just made their listing, what I'll usually say is, hey, I'm local rep. I found your listing. Uh, it was assigned over to me, and I'm just following up. One, to let you know that we do get about 800 people a month that are looking for tree service in Orlando, and then it just starts the conversation off rolling. But you have to know those numbers, so make sure that you're not just calling in blind and saying, hey, I'm from YP. Can I meet with you? Make sure you have those numbers so at least the owner knows that they're in that there is a market for them to reach. Let them know that a lot of times the free listings won't get much exposure because they'll be very low on the page. There are options to get some of that market. And I usually like to tell people that we get a great search volume on our website, but Google, Yahoo, Bing, obviously they're going to get more search volume. So there's an even larger market that they're maybe not tapping into quite yet. So all that to say that you have to know the market, right? Uh, Orlando, we're going to have different search volume than Los Angeles, we're going to have different search volume than New York. So just know your market, know your product, make sure that when you're talking to them, you take a consultative approach to really differentiate yourself from all the other solicitors that they get called on. And I would say, you know, obviously persistency. One thing that I will say is there's a lot of times where after three calls to an MGL lead and you can't get the decision maker, I know it's usually we want to just sort of give up on it, quote unquote, but there have been times where I've called, you know, four, five, six times, and eventually I was able to get the appointment with that and the sale. So just keep trying to call them until you at least hear no. You know, if you can't get in touch with them, keep trying. That's pretty much it. I mean, That's great advice. And Darren, you haven't spoken up a whole lot during our conversation here. I know I've been blathering away. So any questions or anything that you wanted to highlight as a result of this conversation with these guys? Well, I think both of them have definitely cracked the code. And uh, the key thing I definitely heard is standing out from the other people that are also soliciting them because our business has evolved so much in the direction where small businesses probably get between 25 and 30 solicitation calls every single week. So um, one big thing that stood out is how you all mentioned that you have to stand out from that crowd, and that's key. I mean, we really have to stand out. That's, but I think both of you guys did an excellent job, and, and you guys really gave us some pointers on how we can better ourselves as a selling organization and bring more sales home. Well, we are at the end of our time, so I would just like to say to both Ryan and Al, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the call today you'll have an impact on the rest of the company where people can come back and say, hey, I learned something new today and I'll change my approach or I'll do some something a little bit different, see how it works for me. 
So awesome. thank you guys both for being here. We'll hopefully touch base again next year when I go through the list and I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are number one and two again. Congratulations. <laughs> so, thank you so much for having us. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks, you guys. And I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who listened this week. Sell big, sell strong, stay focused. And I love the term, the the word I'm taking from the podcast today, the such a word is persistence. Be persistent. I thought that was a great point to bring up. So have a good week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.